Before we get into this book in terms of trigger warnings, yeah, that should just about sum it up. Magical realism. Okay, I had to say that in the first 30 seconds of any review of a Gabriel Garcia Marquez book per the YouTube Terms of Service. On with the talk. 100 Years of Solitude, better known in Spanish as Cien Años de Soledad. While Soledad can be translated in English to solitude, it is probably more often translated as loneliness. Loneliness is a word that connects with many of us, both in real life and in literature. The Greeks believed that there was a time when the humans were much different than today's. They were fearless and strong and a threat. Spinning like a cartwheel, their strength and speed was nearly unmatched. In the Symposium, Plato puts it as, Humans were originally created with four arms, four legs, and a head with two faces. Fearing their power, Zeus split them into two separate parts, condemning them to spend their lives in search of their other halves. Once split, it created man and women as we know it today. Always searching for their other half, their soulmate, they suffered loneliness until the other was found. Some even came to view love as the cure for the wound of loneliness. And so they would throw their arms about each other, weaving themselves together, wanting to grow together. In the modern era, I've heard a lot of definitions of the word love, and I've seen how it was kind of represented in this novel. Some will define it such as, love is friendship with sex, or love is the solution to all of your problems. Or even the pessimistic, love is an illusion. Because to me, every character in this story seems to experience love and or loneliness at one point during this novel. If you've ever read the Canterbury Tales, it's this long stretching narrative where the themes and morals aren't what's connecting each of the stories. Instead, what's more important is the narrators. And what we see in this story is a bunch of individuals that are kind of telling their story through seven generations of the Buendia family. And just like in Canterbury Tales, there's enough narrative to bring you scene to scene and person to person to get along, but it's really an individual conversation every time a new story thread is opened. Time was not passing, it was turning in a circle. So to me, A Hundred Years of Solitude is this linear story that's happening with the Buendia family. And we're constantly having these frame narratives, just like Canterbury Tales, where we're jumping back and telling things throughout time in the past, in the present, and even predicting the future at times. It creates this feeling of a spiral as we're going down history, repeating the sins and mistakes of our past. The men collectively known as either a Jose or an Aureliano, they tend to kind of blend together, as I think many of us in this group that have been reading A Hundred Years of Solitude have kind of thought about and pondered about. And it's this obsession with creation, invention, and progress that seems to kind of be the downfall, or at least the pull that brings the Buendia men away from what we would consider the more correct path. Because the thing about Macondo for me is it's a legacy. Because Macondo is a creation of the males. It's the idea that they're trying to create this perfect world with love and no deaths. And it's their legacy that they're going to pass on to their children and future generations. And it evokes all of these biblical illusions about how we sow seeds and how we progress and move out. But what's different is I feel a lot more of the Latin heritage coming through in this story. We have a lot of small villages and tribal cultures 
that had colonialism, that had these outside people, like in this book you had Sir Francis Drake, who was a real pirate and slaver referenced, come in and almost change the DNA of what did it mean to be happy? What did it mean to provide for your others and how the future would be defined as they come in and bring these inventions and other forms of culture maybe to the point of even overriding or changing their culture and myths. You had characters like Jose Arcadio Buendia, who was literally obsessed with these inventions like magnets <laughs> as a metal detector, and this kind of divorced him from his family to the point of becoming impotent to even love is what they're pointing out at one point in time, and eventually he's kind of chained up to a tree and impotent in terms of impacting anything with his family anymore. And then another character like Colonel Aureliano he literally, instead of creates, wants to destroy to create his perfect world. So anything that he doesn't agree with or doesn't like, he'll find excuses and throw himself at them for the sole purpose of destroying. But destroying can also, in his mind, be a way of creating that perfect, idyllic place that Makondo is trying to become from the male characters. And it's this obsession that, once again, leaves him away from love. It brings him away from his wife, where he falters and creates 17 different children by all these other different women that kind of become this faceless mask that kind of follows him around, a legacy that I don't think he was necessarily trying to create. And while their attempts are misguided, it's these choices that lead them away from love and towards loneliness that makes them obsessed with their roles as either tradesmen or inventions, things that lead them away from the moralistic standards that I think the women characters in this story are kind of upholding. We see Ursula really push that love can be found in others, and Fernanda as well as kind of the two archetypes for a matriarchal society in terms of living for others, or Fernanda being a little bit more strict in, in how she guides and has to have people perform certain ways. They're both, however, pushing their values and external thoughts into others as opposed to the males that are deriving into themselves. So by the end of the novel, I wish we did have a definition of what the love or what loneliness was, but each character is kind of expressing how they view it differently in their reactions with others. How they could love differently may not be the way that someone else chooses to love. And we see different reactions that drive people and pull them towards loneliness as a result of these decisions. And saying to know love is an interesting thing because knowledge is something that I thought was also something that was very powerful and spoke to me as I read through this novel. The opening line was many years later, as he faced the firing squad, Colonel Aureliano Buendia was to remember that distant afternoon when his father took him to discover ice. You don't really discover ice. Ice has kind of been around longer than we have here. If we go back to the Spanish translation, that last part that was to discover ice is actually conocer el hielo, which if you didn't know, conocer is to know, but it also means to learn, to meet. And there's a lot more about how these characters learn and meet other people. If you've been following this channel, you know I've been on this kick about yada, the Hebrew word for to know. And that implies a lot more knowledge and intimacy and loyalty. It's not just an intellectual thing where you know something about someone. 
And that's kind of what these characters are, I feel like, are exploring through this. They're exploring their loyalty and their knowledge of the other people in this. They're exploring their knowledge of the world. As outside colonialism and neocolonialism comes in, it changes the culture of what they think it means to work and what they think their Latin heritage and culture means. They have characters that are divided between working for this banana plantation, which is essentially effectively supporting colonialism. And you see the characters make these stands and this, these approaches as to whether they're going to support that or not. And you'll see how it really ripped the family apart. And again, that's going to be one of those divides that can separate love and drive someone towards loneliness. So whether you believe there's a soulmate out there, kind of like what the Greeks did and that we're constantly searching and that love is a way to heal that wound of loneliness, or whether you think their opposite ends of the spectrum are two totally different feelings, I think that 100 Years of Solitude is one of those books that really helped me to kind of think a little bit further about my own personal relationships and my own ways of life. And it helped me to dig a little bit deeper into this intergenerational trauma that I think a lot of Latin authors are trying to speak and discuss. There's a reason this is one of the most popular stories, if not the DNA of Latin literature. So is it a book for everyone? No, I can't say it is, but it is one that helped me dive a little bit deeper and think a little bit more about what it means to be pushed towards love or pulled away from love in a sense. I did this with a read-along, and I think everyone else had a, a different takeaway, it seemed like to me. If you go check out Ami's channel, I would encourage, he's got some wonderful talks on the colonialism as well as kind of the, the hunter-gatherer approach. If you go to Noah's channel, he has this amazing breakdown from a Kabbalistic perspective with this tree of life. And I'd really encourage you to go check that out. And then Summer has put out some videos in terms of breaking down each of these characters. And you have Danny, who's put out kind of her speed review to get her thoughts on paper. And Christy Lewis is still working on hers. These are all small channels that I think have something to share and express about a book that is really kind of a once-in-a-lifetime experience that has been very important. And I think it's something that you should consider checking out. But don't forget about those trigger warnings, right guys? We're out. <laughs> <laughs>